So Ben, I cannot thank you enough for helping me launch this cookbook podcast way back in 2015 with your cookbook called Van Leeuwen Artisan Ice Cream. In the seven years since we've chatted, Van Leeuwen has grown by leaps and bounds from the yellow ice cream truck that you used to drive around the city. When we left off, you were excited about building your flagship store in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, opening two two stores in LA, and you were just starting to launch ice cream bars and ice cream sandwiches. I feel like every time I turn around, I see a Van Leeuwen scoop shop. So catch me up on what's been happening. Well, thanks for having me on. We have been for the last seven years continuing to grow our CPG business, which means selling ice cream in grocery stores, as well as the part of the business that's closest to my heart, which is our ice cream shops, which you're in New York City, especially seeing almost everywhere now. We've continued to innovate on our product offerings, not only in terms of, you know, really new, cool, inventive flavors. That's kind of the easy part. But just looking at the way we make ice cream, the sugar levels, the fat levels, particularly on the vegan side. I love vegan ice cream. I love our vegan ice cream. I love our dairy ice cream. But what's always been hard for us to achieve is an extraordinary depth of flavor in vegan ice cream. So the creaminess is easy. The toothsomeness is easy. But that depth, the umami that you get from dairy um, is super hard to match in vegan. So we started doing like two years ago and we're continuing to do it and now trying to commercialize it on a larger scale is actually using sake kasu, which is the dregs of the sake making process. So it's a fermented rice that's super rich in flavor, almost a less savory miso flavor. And we're using that in some of our vegan ice cream flavor bases. So that really excites me because we're, we're super low tech in the way we formulate things. We don't use a lot of state, if any stabilizers, we don't use natural flavors. We're just using whole ingredients. So as we see the vegan market going towards these highly engineered products, um, you know, some of which I really enjoy eating, um, we're saying, huh, can we do the best vegan ice cream in a way that's just using this super low tech but incredibly biologically complex process of fermentation. And can we use these age-old techniques and products, you know, that we're not even good at doing, but sake making and utilize that to make even better vegan ice cream. So have you rolled that out yet with your vegan ice cream or is that coming? We quietly roll it out every other quarter into a special vegan flavor and we name them different things. um, And we just want to see how people react and what they think of this. Do you have any special flavors for the holiday or for winter? So right now we have our peppermint stick ice cream. Now, this is one of the hardest flavors to make. Reason being, sourcing organic peppermint candy is incredibly hard. So we do not use any artificial food colorings or even natural food colorings. We only use whole ingredients. So we use candy canes that are actually colored with beet extract. Um, It's a really good flavor. So it's the peppermint extract folded into our super rich custard, 18% butter fat, 6% egg yolk, creme anglaise base, um, but no vanilla in this one. And then we sprinkle the candy cane pieces into that. The other flavors we're doing are a brown butter caramel chai latte, we're calling it. So that is a housed brown butter base 
um, Rishi tea chai and a swirl of dulce de leche. Then we're doing a coconut cojito, which is a kind of a Puerto Rican style eggnog. So you're getting a lot of the coconut flavor in the base, but you're also getting the nutmeg, the cinnamon, a little bit of vanilla. And we're doing a lemon poppy seed muffin. Now, to me, that flavor sounds almost basic. It is one of the best flavors we've ever made. It's a really rich cream cheese base with pieces of house-made lemon poppy seed muffin, and then a swirl of house-made lemon curd throughout the ice cream. And then finally, for the vegans, we are doing a gingerbread ice cream. So it is a cinnamon base in our coconut oat milk vegan ice cream and pieces of house-made gingerbread with dark blackstrap molasses. Those all sound incredible. And yeah, you can get those at, at all the stores right now in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Texas, Colorado, and California, and then opening in Washington, D.C. in the next uh, early next year, which we're really excited about. So I want to ask you about this. When you are developing a new flavor, do you sit around in the conference room and shoot ideas back and forth? How does that start? Because you have such complex flavors. So we have our own manufacturing plant, which we've had for over 10 years, or actually almost 15 years, almost since day one in Brooklyn, New York, in Greenpoint. Um, downstairs, we're producing ice cream almost 24-7. Upstairs, we have an R&D kitchen, lab, and conference room. So we're testing products upstairs on a small small scale. We'll pilot them on a slightly larger scale downstairs. We are, we're very unique when compared to most CPG brands in that we own our manufacturing. We're doing the development there. So we can pivot rapidly. You know, when we can do things like call our friends at the two local soccer distilleries in Brooklyn and say, do you have 5,000 pounds of fermented rice that we can try out in this vegan product? So it is, I mean, it is, it's the fun part of the business, the development. And it's really useful having our R&D in the same place where we're actually producing ice cream at scale, because then we can quickly find out whether these things are able to be scaled, these new ideas, these new flavors. Do you miss your yellow ice cream truck? I do miss the yellow ice cream truck. We actually sold those trucks because they were really old and rickety. And I regret selling those trucks. I really do. I mean, I think we sold them for almost nothing, but I wish we had just kept one. My friend made a movie, a short film years ago, and it featured one of the trucks. And I watched the movie the other night and I started crying seeing the old truck. I was oh so moved. I know because we, I, I spent like my first, you know, three or four years of building Van Loo and just in that truck almost 24 seven. Um, it's a really special place. I was so happy to not have to spend more time in the truck, but now I miss it. The grass is always greener. What's on the horizon for Van Leeuwen for 2023? So we're really excited about innovation and development, both of new flavors of new products that are frozen desserts. And we're trying to figure out a way to connect our research and development to our consumers. Um, so having them be part of that process, um, whether that's having them come to the factory or whether that's figuring out a way to do that in a retail space where people can see the process and, you know, sometimes even be a part of the, you know, development process, getting customer feedback. Um more tactically, we're going to open a lot more stores in New York, California, um, 
New York, California, Washington, D.C., and then we're also looking at other markets throughout the country. It's great when you can't even keep track of it. You're like, New York, um, where else? Oh, yeah, California. Where are we opening? (laughs) (laughs) There's so many, I can't keep track. (laughs) Where can we find you on the web and social media? Um, So Instagram, Van Loo and Ice Cream, and we're vanlooandicecream.com. And I should also add that you can buy our products now in Whole Foods Nationwide, Sprouts Nationwide, and we actually do special flavors for Walmart. So you can get us in every Walmart nationwide. Just know as I close out this series of cookbook conversations that I thank you, Ben, for helping me kick off the number one cookbook podcast way back in 2015 and for hopping back on with me for the finale of Cookery by the Book podcast. So right now, let's listen to the podcast rewind of the original episode number one with Ben Van Leeuwen for the Van Leeuwen Artisan Ice Cream Cookbook. Thanks, Ben. Thanks so much, Susie. Congrats. Welcome to the Cookery by the Book podcast with me, Susie Chase. I'm Ben Van Loon, and my cookbook is Van Loon Artisan Ice Cream. I was so excited to get this cookbook because one of your latest ice cream shops is a mere three blocks away from me in the West Village, and I'm there all the time. So, Ben, take me back to the moment when Van Leeuwen Artisan Ice Cream was born with your partners Pete Van Leeuwen and Laura O'Neill. We started Van Leeuwen back in 2008 with one ice cream truck. Um, Our goal was to do really amazing ice cream off of a truck which wasn't done then and to us that meant making ice cream with just milk cream sugar and egg yolks and meticulously sourcing pretty straightforward flavors to start from small producers all over the world so we found chocolate from michelle cuzel in france who only sources directly from seven biodynamic plantations Um, with deliciousness as the goal always pistachios from sicily hazelnuts from piedmont Um, At that point, we were using a really special vanilla extract that we had made um, by aging the bourbon and Tahitian beans in oak barrels. And we um, launched the business um, from our first truck. And the first location we ever did was Soho on Green and Prince Street. Yeah, and it was it was super exciting. I, I you know vividly remember the first day. My brother Pete and I and Laura were driving around and. Um, weren't really sure where to park if anyone would come and buy ice cream and we pulled up to the corner of green and prince and people started lining up so ice cream making at home is one of the more intimidating tasks for home cooks how does your cookbook demystify ice cream making for the home cook and what equipment do we need it's pretty simple you just need an ice cream maker and and you can get a really good ice cream maker for $40. Um, So it's not a huge investment. Um, If you want to make ice cream, definitely worth it. In terms of the process of ice cream making, I've never seen an ice cream cookbook um, for the home cook that's as detailed or even a sort of industry commercial book that's as detailed as our book. Um, It's the recipes are basically failure proof because we put so many uh, like precars into each recipe that prevents you from overcooking the egg yolks or getting too much evaporation and it becoming too sweet. 
Um, so if you read our book and sort of follow the recipes, you'll not only be able to make amazing ice cream from our recipes, but you'll, you'll very quickly like become an awesome ice cream maker and be able to make your own recipes and really understand the science behind ice cream making, which is creating a balance of fat, sugar, solids, and water. So let's talk about vanilla which is a staple in everyone's pantry. What are the differences in vanilla's flavor characteristics? And from your book, I learned that there are different tastes of vanilla depending on the geography, the terroir. Can you talk about that? Yeah, vanilla is such an interesting flavor. Um, It's indigenous to Mexico, um, and it was sort of brought throughout the world by the Spaniards after they kind of conquered Mexico. Um, and one of the first places it was brought was Madagascar, which at that point was called the Bourbon Islands. So they brought, and vanilla is, uh, it's actually the seed pod from an orchid flower, um, one of the only edible orchids. And they brought this flower to the Bourbon Islands in Madagascar and started cultivating it there. They also brought it to Tahiti. Um, so those were the first two places outside of Mexico that it was cultivated. And because of that, those two strains have become the sort of universal strains. So they call some vanilla bourbon vanilla and some vanilla Tahitian vanilla. So bourbon vanilla compared to Tahitian has more of a classic vanilla flavor. It has a lot of vanillin, which is one of the 230 compounds that make vanilla taste like vanilla. And Tahitian vanilla has a lot more of the floral compounds, so it's a bit more delicate, lighter. We always use a combination of both vanillas um, for the book because sometimes it's harder to find both. Um, I think we recommend using either, or you could use half and half. Um, But aside from the bourbon and Tahitian being these two different varieties because of where they were cultivated, the um, terroir will also affect how vanilla tastes. And then the final, so if you were to grow a bourbon vanilla in Tahiti, it would taste different than a bourbon vanilla grown in Madagascar. The final thing that really affects the taste of vanilla is both how fresh it is and how it was cured. So there's basically two ways to cure vanilla. Um, you pick the pod off of the orchid, so it's this green seed pod, um, almost looks like a green bean. And in, you know, this is usually growing in pretty hot places. So they have big canvas mats that they lie out on the ground and they sort of like grapes turning into raisins, let the pods age in the sun and they turn them over and it's a slow process. And then they shrivel up and um, the sugar compounds come up and they become brown and delicious and fragrant. And the other cheaper, because it's faster way to do it, is to actually fire cure the vanilla. And they tend to do that more in Indonesia Um, and that traditionally is seen as like a lower end vanilla product, but because smoke flavor is like very in vogue right now, Mm -hmm. it's kind of cool if you can get your hands on that vanilla, they've kind of stopped doing it. Um, so it's hard to find the last time I found any was actually in Indonesia in Bali. We bought some from, from a vanilla plantation and they were still smoking their beans and it was really cool. I mean, the smoke... Vanilla is a delicate flavor, so the smoke definitely mutes a lot of the nuance of vanilla. But um, it's it's really it's cool to find that too. So, what is your favorite recipe from the book? Whoa! What is my favorite <laughs> recipe from the book? Or maybe favorite three? Um, okay, so one of my maybe my top favorite is the creme fraiche flavored ice cream with apple crumble. 
Um, so that flavor, we basically are replacing all of the cream with creme fraiche, which you can either buy or make yourself. And then we stew apples with some pink peppercorn, add a splash of Calvados, and then we make a crumble. And Now, what's Calvados? Calvados is an apple brandy from Normandy. Um, so in Normandy, they have like tons of apple trees and they make cider from the apples and then they take the dregs of the cider and make Calvados and then the cows walk around the apple orchards eating the apples and they make um, camembert with that. So it's like nice. this beautiful French um, Normandy thing. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's like cognac but made with apples. So I'm fascinated by your take on sugar in ice cream. It's the focal point for most ice creams, but you've chosen to focus on flavors. Talk to us a little about ingredients and how you source them. Sure. Um, so our sourcing of ingredients is very, very particular. Um, in part because there are certain ingredients that we won't um, allow into our ice cream. So, for example, we there's never any soy in our ice cream. And then other ingredients, um, I mean, a lot of the research happens um, at the start on the Internet. Um, so if we want to find, like, the best nuts in the world, we'll start researching where those are from and taste them. But I guess in terms of, like, researching new flavors and, like... Um, that is the inspiration for new flavors. Usually, I mean, we do have we have like weekly meetings where we brainstorm flavors and have a constantly evolving Google Doc with hundreds of hundreds of flavors on it. And we also go to the farmers market, see what's available. But I find that like the best inspiration and the best flavors stem out of actually like making ice cream for days on end and being around a lot of ingredients and tasting and smelling and um, adding this flavor to that flavor. I like how you've included information on where the home cook can buy your ingredients in the book. That's really helpful. Absolutely, yeah, because ingredients are so important in ice cream. Um, So yeah, we encourage people to seek out the best ingredients. Now, vegan ice cream is all the rage now. How do you keep the creaminess and richness found in regular ice cream? And was this Laura's idea? Um, So the vegan ice cream was, man, it's so hard to remember whose idea it was. (laughs) Um, I think we all take credit for it. Laura, it does come from a family of, half of her family are vegans and have been pretty much since she was born. Um, But a lot of it, too, was customer demand. People wanted a non-dairy ice cream. Right. And we started, and we, you know, almost as an afterthought, we said, okay, let's throw something together, get it out there. We did a coconut-based vanilla and a coconut-based chocolate, um, and they were so popular. And we spent about two days developing them. And they were really good, but we knew we could do better. And when we saw that they were popular, we were like, okay, let's do this. So I went home, um, spent about three months developing recipes in my home kitchen, which is still my favorite place to develop recipes. Um, And the goal was to not make really good vegan ice cream. It was to make, uh, like, ice cream that was as good as anything, even though it was vegan. We we had a feeling that cashews, coconuts, and cocoa butter would be kind of the holy trinity of vegan ice cream. Um, so I actually used spreadsheets, um, which we do a lot in ice cream making, 
to figure out fat levels, sugar levels, and solid levels. And on our first try, like, we pretty much nailed it. It was so good. And then we spent a couple more months tweaking, developing flavors. But the cashews are amazing because they're really high in solids, so they give you that chew. Um, The coconut has, like, a really luscious fat. And then as an emulsifier, we add the cocoa butter, um, which both emulsifies and sort of makes more creamy. The vegan is really good. I, I get the vegan chocolate all the time. Cool. It's really, really good. So looking back to 2008, uh, I feel like your ice cream trucks were the beginning of the whole food truck revolution here in New York City. Um, what are your plans for 2015 and beyond? Wow. So our plans for 2015 are um, opening new stores. So right now we're building a store in Williamsburg on North 5th and Wythe. Um, that will be our flagship, so our biggest store to date, seating for about 70 people, um, homemade ice cream cones, vegan soft serve, classic soft serve, um, a bar where you can kind of sit at and order the ice cream and watch your Sundays being made. We're also building two stores in Los Angeles, um, which we're very excited about. And all of this is being made possible by a new production facility that we're building in Greenpoint. Nice. Um, Which, aside from letting us make a ton of ice cream, it's going to have, for us, a very, very big pastry kitchen where we'll be able to produce more sort of cookies and cakes and brittles and toffees that we add into the ice cream, which we're very, very excited about. So we're going to be launching um, novelties, so ice cream bars, ice cream sandwiches, um, but everything we do will still like remain very small scale, um, so all made by hand. Those are our big plans for this year. So, Where can we find you on the web? Um, our Instagram is Van Leeuwen Ice Cream. Our website is VanLeeuwenIceCream.com. And Twitter is V-L-A-I-C. Well, thank you, Ben Van Leeuwen, for coming on Cookery by the Book podcast. Thank you so much, Susie. It was great.